I want to turn to <clears throat> Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> we were looking at Revelation 4, 1, the whole of the last four days. And seeing how God called John the Apostle to come up higher from where he was. You know, right from the beginning of Scripture, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, we read there are two things, or two factors, let me put it like that, that are absolutely essential in our Christian life. If we are to experience all that God wants us to experience. And uh, those two factors are the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Notice here, there was a Word of God saying, come up here. And I will show you many things that you can't see if you're down there. There are many things we can never understand uh, you never, no matter how clever you are, how, no matter how many meetings you go to, until you come up higher. You know, you can sit in earthly places, occupied with earthly things, pursuing earthly things, and listen to the most wonderful truths, like we heard in the last week, and it won't make the slightest difference in your life. Have you wondered why? Many times you have been stirred in a meeting and you say, boy, I really believe that's going to be a turning point in my life. I'm so sincere. I think many of us have had that experience for the last 10, 15 years and it's never been a turning point. We're still back down in the gutter of gossip and backbiting and pursuing after so many other things that don't please God. Why is that? Because we are trying to understand these things while we're sitting down here occupied with earthly things. Look what the Lord says. Come up here and I will show you some things. You'll never understand if, if you are down there. John, you may be suffering for my name's sake. You're a wonderful apostle. You've served me for 65 years. You're in the Isle of Patmos because you're being faithful to me. But you still won't understand what I'm trying to tell you. Imagine where we will be. We haven't been apostles for 65 years, and if you're crazy enough to think that you can understand what John couldn't understand living on the earth, we really got to be pretty conceited. We got to humble ourselves and say, Lord, if a man like John, who'd been faithful to you for 65 years, couldn't understand anything until he was lifted up high and the Lord had to show him, come here and I will show you something. That's what God says to us. You can understand it in your head. It won't change your life. But if you come up here, then I'll show you something. And I'll tell you those who allow God to lift them up in their spirit to the heavenly places, see things which human eyes have never seen, human ears have never heard, not even entered into the heart of man. The thing, wonderful things God has prepared for those who love and wait for Him. We're missing out on a lot. The way the devil cheats us, not just by robbing us of heaven. A lot of, believe, lot of people in the world get robbed of heaven. They go to hell by the devil cheating. Maybe you don't get robbed of heaven. But I think many believers are going to be robbed of a joyful eternity in heaven. 
Because when they look back over their life, they'll see what a lot of things they missed out because they didn't trust God's word. They trusted their own reason. They thought, I think I know how best to take care of my life. They'll discover in eternity that all those who live like that are wasted their life. But he who does the will of God remains forever. So that's the word of God. Come up here. And what we have heard in the last few days is God's word challenging us. Come up here. Come up higher. Come up higher. But you know that by itself will not accomplish it. And what's the use John saying, come, John hearing, come up here. And then it says the Spirit lifted him up. That's the second thing. If you go back to Genesis 1, you see there God's word saying, let there be light. God said, let, the, uh, let there be a firmament between, uh, let there be a separation in the heavens. And then in, let the earth come forth, let the trees come forth. There was always God's word. And then in the Right in the beginning it says the Spirit of God brood on the face of the waters. Right in chapter 1, it's the Holy Spirit plus God's Word. And I want to tell you, no matter how much you hear God's Word, you will never be able to come up there until the Spirit lifts you up. Don't ever think you can get there by gritting your teeth, by making a new decision. The Holy Spirit has to lift us up. And we have to honor the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's agent on the earth today. And that's why the devil has counterfeited so much of the Holy Spirit's work today. So much of counterfeit. I mean, if I saw plenty of counterfeit of um, some particular currency, you'd know that that's pretty valuable. Have you ever seen a counterfeit one rupee note? I don't think you'll ever see it in your life. Nobody wastes their time counterfeiting one rupee notes. I think even two rupee notes and five rupee notes people don't waste. I mean, the value of currency is going so so low now that even hundred rupee notes they don't counterfeit. What do they counterfeit? They counterfeit the really valuable things. So when there's so much of counterfeit, then you know that that's valuable. I remember in one country I heard that after a war, uh, the way they knew that the value of the currency was going down was there were no more counterfeit notes. It's proof that the value of the currency has really gone down. And that's how it is. Why is there so much of counterfeit of the ministry and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in Christendom today? Because it's so valuable and the devil knows that. And most people have either fallen for the counterfeit or shied away from the counterfeit so much that they've got nothing. But in the midst of it all, my brothers and sisters, there is something genuine, something that you may have missed in your life, is the mighty supernatural power of the Holy Spirit of God. And He always lifts us up. You never see in the Bible the Holy Spirit throwing it down. It's another counterfeit that we see in Christendom today. People being cast down. Wherever you see, the Holy Spirit lifted him up. The Holy Spirit lifted him up. If Jesus saw a man lying paralyzed, he'd lift him up. If Paul saw a man lying paralyzed, he'd lift him up. If Peter saw a man, the beautiful gate of the temple, lying down, lift him up. And everything that the Holy Spirit does, the devil is counterfeiting. Put them down, put him down, put him down. Don't lift him up. People are falling for the counterfeit. 
the Holy Spirit has come to lift you up, not cast you down to the earth. People say the Roman soldiers fell back when Jesus... Well, I'm not a Roman soldier. And I didn't come to capture Jesus. Why should I fall back? I'm a worshiper of God. I'm going to be lifted up to the heavens. Like the Spirit lifted Ezekiel. The Spirit lifted John. You must have faith for that. Lord, I'm in the footsteps of these godly men. And the Spirit lifted up and immediately I was in the Spirit. And the first thing you see... When you're in the spirit, is the throne of God. I saw a throne and the glory of God and the people and the 24 elders and they have, they have crowns and they fall down. And what he sees there, you see in the next two chapters, when he's lifted up, before he sees anything about the future and all that, that comes from chapter 6 onwards, he's got to see the throne. He's got to see the throne and God sitting on the throne and people worshipping him and adoring him and casting their crowns before him and saying, Thou art worthy, thou alone art worthy, nobody is worthy. You're so occupied with God. And John had to see a vision of that before he can face the terrible things that he sees about what's going to happen in the future. So as we stand at the threshold of a new year, we don't know what is going to be in 2008. But I can prophesy one thing. It's going to be worse than 2007. It's not going to be better. There's a verse in scripture which says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 <clears throat> I believe this is how it's going to be in 2008 and 2009. In fact, all the way till the Lord returns. 2 Timothy 3.13 Evil men and deceivers will proceed from bad to worse. Do you hear of terrorists in the world, did you hear of them in 2006, 2007? Evil men. What are they going to be in 2008? Worse. Do you hear of a lot of deception in Christendom with all types of counterfeits? People swindling others of their money. What's going to happen to those deceivers in 2008? Those deceivers will go from bad to worse. They'll swindle even more people of even more money. And they will deceive them, it says. They will deceive people even more. More Christians will be deceived in 2008. And they will deceive them and more people will follow after them and be deceived. Verse 13. But in the midst of all this deception and things getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, there are some who want to live a godly life. And they are described in verse 12. All those, it doesn't matter who they are, there won't be many, there are some in every age who desire to live a godly life. They will be persecuted. And that persecution can take many forms. If you are a peacemaker with the devil, 
Say, Satan, I won't trouble you. I won't trouble your kingdom. I'll just mind my own business and go my way. You'll never be persecuted. But if you are determined to stand against the kingdom of Satan because you belong to Jesus Christ who fought the kingdom of Satan, you'll be persecuted one way or the other. And that's why before all those terrible things happen, you need the Holy Spirit to lift you up and show you the throne. John needed to see before he saw the bowls of wrath and the deceivers and the Antichrist and all the vision of that in chapter 6 all the way up to chapter 16 and then the counterfeit church Babylon in 17 and 18 before he could if he had seen all that he'd have got thoroughly discouraged he said Lord don't show me anymore you know why he didn't get discouraged you know why he could even write it down and speak about it because before he saw all that he saw the throne he saw the throne he saw who was in control of the universe if you haven't seen that it's better not to know what's going to happen in the future and you won't be ready to face the future. I'll tell you this. You're not ready to face the future if the Holy Spirit has not shown you the throne of God and see who runs this universe. You know why we have to go and make disciples in all nations? Many years ago, the Lord told me, it's not enough to go and make converts. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16 must be coupled with Matthew 28 to 18. Go and make disciples of all nations. But it's a thousand times more difficult to make a disciple than to make a convert. That's why people prefer to be evangelists rather than prophets. An evangelist just goes around, comes for a few days, three, four days in a place, lives in a five-star hotel, and has his crowds come up, pays all the Indian agents to arrange meetings for him. They are happy because they get their commission. He's happy because he gets his video footing of all the people who raise their hands. And he goes back after four days, back to his comfortable life in some western country, and publishes news about how many thousands or millions were saved in India. They're not saved. They just raise their hands. But maybe one or two out of those million were saved. But they haven't become disciples. And if they haven't become disciples, they get lost all over again. You know, if I believed, please listen carefully, if I really believed that the moment a man said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, he's saved for eternity, he'll never be lost, I would never wish I'm making disciples. I said, this guy's saved. Forget about him. Let's go to the next person. The thing is, that guy can be lost if he doesn't become a disciple. That's what the Bible says. He who endures to the end will be saved. We belong to Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence firm until the end. These are the scriptures. It's because of that, I believe, that that person has to be made a disciple. And that's why Jesus also said, Make them disciples. Make them those who follow me, who learn from me, who love me more than they love their parents and their relatives and love me more than they love money and property and their job. You get a person to be like that, he'll be, he'll be the Lord's forever. But before he said that, he told his disciples in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Many years ago, when I was traveling to a country where you're not even allowed to take a Bible in, you have to take it secretly, I was wondering, well, what will happen if I get caught there and imprisoned or something? And um, this verse came to my mind. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. I mean, if you're going there to do business and make money, 
I don't know whether you can expect the Lord's protection. But I wasn't going there to make money, not even to receive an offering, and certainly not to do business. I said, Lord, I'm only going to make disciples. I have no other desire. Any place I go on the face of the earth, I only have a desire to make disciples. I'm not even going to see the tourist sites. In fact, all places I go, I say, I'm not interested. I was in Australia and they said, Brother, there's some special type of rocks here that you'd like to see. I said, No, I'd like to see people. I've seen enough, ro- I've seen enough rocks in my life. <laughs> rocks and buildings. Imagine going somewhere to see rocks and buildings. I said, People. That's what I'm interested in. So if you go to make disciples, you can be absolutely sure that all authority in heaven and earth is going to support you. And I tell you, I have experienced that. All types of situations. It's a wonderful thing to see the throne first before you do anything. And I want to encourage all of you, my brothers and sisters, even if you're uncalled to the ministry I am, you're called to be a disciple of Jesus. And you need to see the throne. And who's sitting on the throne if you want to face the future. And if you keep that vision of the throne in front of you all the time, your life will be a life of rest in God. Three hundred and... 66 days of the next year. Yeah, there are 366 days. Uh, It will be like that for you. God wants his people to live in rest. They may be persecuted, but they'll be in rest. That's why Paul and Silas, when they were locked up in prison, could praise the Lord. It's fine. God is on the throne. We may be in jail, that's okay, but our Father is on the throne and he controls everything. And there must be a wonderful reason why he kept me in prison. That's because there was a jailer there who needed to be converted. It's almost as though the Lord was saying, I need a jailer to be converted, but who is willing to go to jail to convert him? Would you say yes, I'm willing? How many of you would be willing to go to jail if there's a jailer there to be converted? I hope so. I hope you're willing. You volunteer, God may take you at your word, I'll tell you that. So be careful, don't try to act bold before people. Yeah, say, Lord, I want to... I want to be your witness wherever you go, wherever I go. And Paul was willing. Okay, Paul, I'll send you. Some others may not be willing. Do you know the number of soldiers who were tied up, to, you know, those days to prevent people from escaping? They would put a chain on the prisoner's hand and one chain on a Roman soldier's hand and particularly high-profile prisoners like Paul. So they'd lock up his hand with a handcuff to a Roman soldier and he's got an eight-hour shift. And he's sitting there. Paul can't escape, but the wonderful thing is the Roman soldier can't escape either. So Paul says, have you heard about Jesus? Oh. You see, you, you, you know after one hour you can go. That guy couldn't go for eight hours. He had to listen. <laughs> and he heard and heard and heard and heard and heard. And he got converted. Okay, Paul, my time's up. Yeah, that's great. Now the next fellow comes along and he's going to be locked up eight hours. It says in the Bible that there were people in Caesar's household who were converted. How in the world did Paul get in there? He couldn't get in there. But through prison, he could reach some of those people who were guards in Caesar's palace. I tell you, if you are wholehearted like Paul, And you surrender yourself to God with zero conditions. Lord, I'm not saying I'll serve you if you don't allow me to suffer like this. I'll serve you no matter what. 
He will do the most amazing things through your life. Which is unimaginable. Now, if you haven't experienced that till now, say, Lord, I'm going to surrender myself to you today with zero conditions. No conditions. If I go to jail, I go to jail. God won't allow anything to happen without His permission. Do you know that 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, 1998, there were people who, religious people, religious Christians who took us to court to take this building away from us. This building. Ten years ago, they wanted to take it away from us. Because we called them a cult. Well, it's a question of who's on the throne. I don't care for this building, I'll tell you honestly. I care for the people. Just like I didn't care for the rocks in Australia, I don't care for this building here. It's people. God doesn't care for buildings or rocks. He cares for people. And the church is not a building. The church is people. But if people need a facility to meet in, God takes care of that. I believe that all authority in heaven and earth will always be in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he's told us to go and make disciples. That's why we're not afraid of anybody. That's why we're not bothered if somebody gets offended with us and leaves our church. I say, go. God bless you. We're not, I never run after one person who's left this church. Said goodbye. The rich young ruler didn't want to follow Jesus. Said Jesus said goodbye. Somebody said, "I've got to go and bury my father before I follow you." Okay, Jesus said, "Go." He was not. Jesus was not interested in anyone following him who had the slightest hesitation. Who said, "I'll follow you, but let me do this." Jesus said, "Not only do that first, do it for the rest of your life. You don't have to follow me." If you come to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me do this first. Let me get this done first. The Lord will say, you don't have to come back. Go and do that for the rest of your life. Don't ever say to the Lord, Lord, I'll follow you, but I have something else which I've got to finish first. I've got to get my children educated first. I've got to get my children married first. I've got to build a house first. The Lord will say, don't come back. Spend your life educating your children and building your house. And I tell you, there are people in CFC who have missed God's best. Because when they heard me see this 25 years ago, they wouldn't listen. They put other things first. They put the accumulation of wealth first. Yeah. Well, you see the consequences. And the sad thing is, it will affect you and it will affect your family. If you honor God... He will honor you. Do you know the place in the old scriptures in the Old Testament where that verse comes? Those who honor me I will honor. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. It's easy. 1, 2, 3. 1 Samuel 2, 3, 0. Remember it like that. 1, 2, 3, 0. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. <clears throat> but the thing I want you to notice here as we look at that verse is, in what context did he say it? It's a very well-known verse, but people don't know the context of it. The context is how you brought up your children. That is the context. How did a spiritual leader bring up his children? In this case, Eli. Notice what he says in 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. 
I actually said that your, your house and the house of your father will walk before me forever. But it's not going to be like that. Just stop for a moment and think. I did make a promise to you, but I'm going to break that promise. Does God break promises? Does God change his mind? He certainly does. Sometimes he threatens judgment and he didn't judge. There were times when I told my children, I'll, I'll really give you the rod if you do that. And then they did it. And afterwards, they felt repented and I didn't give them the rod. And I said, Lord, is that right? Or should I keep my word? The Lord opened my eyes to see how he threatened Nineveh with punishment, but didn't punish them. But they repented. He said, in 40 days I'll destroy the city. They repented. So he didn't destroy the city. He went back on his word because the people changed. The reverse can also happen. Yes, I did say that your house, that is your children, and the house of your father, that is all the way back to Aaron, would walk before me forever. You will be my priests. Your children will be my priests. But now, far be it from me. It's like saying, that will be a million miles away from me. I'm not going to do it. Why, Lord? Because those who honor me are the ones I'll honor. Those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. And what did you do? Verse 29, the last part. You honored your children more than me. You took the offerings which were meant for me Give it to your children. Have you done that? Did you promise something to God and then give it to him? I hope not. That's what Eli did. I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters. It doesn't pay. I'm not trying to frighten anybody. These are laws. God doesn't change laws. You can pray as much as you like, but if you jump from the roof of the building, God will not change the law of gravity for your sake. These are laws. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He honors those who honor Him. Those who seek His kingdom first and His righteousness will find all the other things added to them. These are laws. As sure as the law of gravity. If you understand laws and submit to them, it can go exceptionally well with your life. If you don't understand these laws and you think, no, 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 I can somehow do things secretly and escape them, you won't escape. It's not possible. The most wonderful thing to do is to live by God's laws. You know how careful we are with the laws of nature? We have to teach our children how to keep themselves from getting sick when it's raining. Don't get your head wet. Rub your head if you got wet in the rain. And they don't know that. We teach our children those laws. Because otherwise they get a cold. They get sick. There are children who got pneumonia and died because they were careless. We teach people, cover yourself in cold weather. These are laws. And we are so careful to follow it ourselves. So careful to teach our children. 
What about these laws which are a million times more important than those? Will you honor me? I will honor. I don't know for how many years I have drilled it into my children's heads. Honor God. And he will honor you. My dear brothers and sisters, please drill it into your children's heads from childhood. Yes, they need to study chemistry, physics, mathematics, science and social studies and all that. But they also need to know that they need to honor God from childhood. That's why I keep on telling children, honor your father and mother. It will go well with you. Teach them to honor you. It will go well with them. So, these are laws. When John, when the apostle was lifted up by the Holy Spirit, up there, it doesn't matter how much bad, how bad things get in the days to come. I've seen who's on the throne. I've seen who's got all authority. It's all a question of the whole great controversy in the universe. Right from the beginning of time. From the time the first angel was created. Heavens and the earth, the angels were created and there was one who was the head of the angels. There was no sin in those days. Think of a world where there was no sin. Everything was bright. No devil. There were no demons. There was no evil. Can't think of a universe like that. It was like that. I mean, if a fallen earth is so beautiful, sunset and the flowers and the trees, can you imagine what this earth will be like when the effects of the fall are removed? It will be unimaginable. The beauty of creation, the beauty of heavens and the earth and the new new heaven and the new earth. That's how it was way back there before sin came. And then... There was a controversy. The head of the angels. What was the controversy? It was not related to money. Today the big controversy is a lot of things is money. But even money. If you go back. The real thing is this. The controversy centered around worship. Who is going to be worshipped? The head of the angels. Which people call Lucifer. We don't know his name. He was the leader. Of all those millions of angels worshipping God. And God that didn't need anyone. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't even need people to worship him. <clears throat> but he knew that, you know, God's nature is full of love. And love, one of the wonderful things about love, those of you who are mothers and the good fathers know that. <clears throat> you don't want to keep everything to yourself. You want to give to your children. True mother wants to sacrifice, give to her children food, clothing. You'll deny buying clothes for yourself so you can get it for your children. You know where that love came into your heart, mothers? It came from God. And God was all there by himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, self-sufficient. He said, I can't keep this all to myself. I must create beings with whom I can share this. You know, the desire to share the abundance we have is part of God's nature. You don't have it, you're not, you don't have God's nature, that's all I can say. If all that God has done for you, you don't want to share it with other people, you don't have God's nature, no matter how many years you come to CFC. No. God's nature is this. God's done, I mean, I have so much, I don't want to keep it to myself, I want to share it with other people, I want to create people. If nobody's there, I want to create people so that I can share it with them. That's how he created the angels. And those angels 
would get all that God has. I mean, they couldn't have his nature. That was reserved. But they could have so many other blessings if only they would worship God. That's another law of nature. It's like the law of gravity. You can't change it. The law is that if you put God first, everything falls into its proper place. I mean, for example, let's take an example from the solar system. If we say, no, some scientist on earth said, no, we don't want the sun. The sun has been too long center of the solar system. Let's try and make Saturn or something center of the solar system and work and work and work. Do something Saturn in the solar center of the solar system. It never happens. And if the earth one day decides I've had got sick and tired of going around the sun, why should the sun be so prominent? I'm going to decide to go around myself. Or I'm going to go around Saturn. Saturn's a good friend of mine. Or Mars. You know what's going to happen to the earth? Everything, every life on this earth will perish. You know that? Why has God said to the earth, keep going around the sun? It's for the good of the earth. If it stops going around the sun, it will be the end of the earth. And everything has been positioned so perfectly. Then, I mean, scientists have calculated that if the earth were just a few miles closer to the sun, it would be so hot, nobody would be able to live here. If it was a few miles away from the sun, it would be so cold, everything would be frozen to death. God has positioned it exactly the right distance from the sun but it never gets too hot, never gets too cold that we can live here. These are laws and from these laws of nature like scientists say we think God's thoughts after him we discover in nature the wonderful uh, laws God has placed and they are so perfect. In the same way spiritually God has said to all of his creation if you make me the center of your life like the sun is the center of the solar system and everything in your life revolves around me. Everything will be perfect in your life. Adam and Eve decided no. You know, that's the, basically the symbol of those two trees symbolize. One, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Have the knowledge of good and evil inside in you. You don't need God. You become the center of your life. Tree of life, where God is the center of your life. Which do you want, Adam? Adam said, I want to be the center of my life. Go ahead. It'll kill you. You'll die. <clears throat> You'll die spiritually, physically. Your first son will murder your second one. All types of problems you'll have. But that's your choice. And ever since that day, whether believer or unbeliever, where they've chosen to center their life around themselves, it's been confusion. All the problems in your home, let me tell you, it's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's you. Who are the center of your life. Try and make God the center of your life. Everything will fall into your place. The wife may not change. But you will be triumphant. You won't be grumbling and complaining against her so much. Your husband may not change. But you will be triumphant. You won't be complaining about him so much. I am amazed at believers in our churches. Who grumble and complain. About so many situations in their home and their work. And they think the problem is with their boss. Oh, brother, you don't know what type of wife I have. You don't know what type of husband I have. As long as you live like that, you're just creating more problems for yourself. Let your husband be that, like the devil himself, or your wife like the devil himself. He won't be able to touch you. If you have seen the throne and make Jesus Christ Lord of your life and God on the throne in the center of your life. 
every evil that other people try to do to you will work for your good. It's true. I have experienced that for many years. I don't believe there's a human being or demon on earth that can harm me. And I say that boldly. I'm not afraid to tell the devil that. You can try as much as you like, all your demons and devil. You can't harm me. I'm sorry. I've got someone on the throne of my life. Try harming me. It won't work. It will not work. Do you have that boldness to the, tell the devil that? Or do you have that? Brother, don't challenge the devil like that. He may trouble you. You know, there are, I really believe there are people sitting like, here like that who say, I don't want to challenge the devil. Is he defeated or not? Is he defeated or not? Well, Jesus didn't go looking for demons. I don't go looking for demons either. But if they came across his way, he dealt with them. If they come across my way, I deal with them. We are to go into the future with a spirit of triumph, not because of who we are. I know one thing. You remove the grace of God from me this moment. I can be like Hitler or Osama bin Laden. Can't imagine that I'll be like that. You think you're such a sweet person? I give the credit to the grace of God. 100%. I am not like Osama bin Laden. Because of the grace of God. Not because I am such a sweet person. Or because I got up in such a good family. Some of you think like that. And that's why you never grow spiritually. You take the credit to yourself. You take the credit to your family. Or good upbringing. You keep on doing that. You'll never grow spiritually. Paul said by the grace of God. I am what I am. And I say that. And I know every moment. I'm dependent on that. It's like a branch that says. Cut me off this moment, there will be no more fruit in my life. I'll dry up, be a withered branch here. I know that. And if you know that, then you're not afraid of the devil. But you've seen who's on the throne. A branch makes the tree the center. It never wants to be the center. Go to any branch in any tree in the world. I say, do you want to be the center? <laughs> you're crazy. I don't want to be the center. I'll dry up. The tree is the center of my life. Jesus said, I'm the tree, you're the branches. Take that position. Make him Lord of your life. In every area. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to read this word to you. And apply it to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit, which we need all the time. And I tell you, if there's... One great need you have for 2008 is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I can stand up here and give you a pep talk. What are the good resolutions we shall make for 2008? I shall be more humble. I shall learn to be more thankful to God. I shall learn to be more thankful to other people. I shall be more disciplined. I shall fast more. Yes? I shall eat less. I'll do a little exercise to keep my body fit and not keep on growing fat and fat and fat and fat and fat. Because I don't want to disobey God's laws. I remember, I'll never forget something I read <coughs> in a book on discipline, one of the finest books on discipline I've ever read. 
he said there, <clears throat> supposing your life is shortened because you went out to preach the gospel and you were martyred for the sake of Christ. You stand before the Lord because having lived a very short life on earth because you were martyred for the sake of Christ. You'll get a great welcome. But if your life is shortened because you ate too much and too many fried stuff and too much of geese weeds and all that and you couldn't control your appetite and because of that your life was shortened by 10-15 years. You stand before the Lord and the Lord, you ask the Lord, says, why, why didn't you fulfill all of my purposes? I, Lord, geese weeds, I tell you, I like them so much. <laughs> and I just couldn't resist that butter on the table. <laughs> Is that why you didn't, couldn't fulfill... I had another 15, 20 years planned for you on earth and you missed out. What are you going to answer to God? I've never forgotten that. I say, Lord, I don't want that to be the reason why I didn't fulfill some part of your life. Let me give up that. Many of us talk about self-denial. Our self-denial in 2007 has been pretty close to zero. You want to be a friend in 2008? I'll tell you this. It won't be, unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. God is not, God, it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God gives us the spirit of power and love and discipline. You can't do it. I can't do it. I may have preached for 42 years. I know my mouth will become without words, without the Holy Spirit. I depend on my experience. Like I said, that's alright if I'm teaching maths or chemistry. And that's alright if I'm a Bible school professor teaching the Bible in some dead, useless way. But if it's to be anointed word from God, it has the Holy Spirit. Everything in life has to be like that. 1 Corinthians 12. This is the chapter where you read about by one Spirit, verse 13, we are baptized. By one Holy Spirit, we are baptized. You know, it's almost the only place in the New Testament after the Acts of the Apostles where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned. I don't know whether you know that. After the Acts of the Apostles, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in one chapter. 1 Corinthians 12. And it says something here. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. The last part. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. A couple of things that Sandeep said during the conference that really came home to my heart because I saw the importance of it. That Jesus is Lord is the central message Christians need to hear. Or put in another way, like he said, the whole story is about Jesus, not about you or me. We're just a little corner of the painting. But the whole painting is Jesus. And if you're not willing to be just that little bit of red on his robe or the little bit of black on his hair or the little bit of light brown on his hand, if you're not willing to be that, you want to become bigger. There's only one solution. You've got to be thrown out of the body. But if you're willing to be just that little Thing which God has made you in the body oh you can fulfill a glorious purpose the story is about Jesus it's not about you or me the whole of God's story is about Jesus you're happy with that 
You'll have a wonderful Christian life. Jesus is Lord. Now turn back to Isaiah 6. Where Isaiah saw Jesus. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. See, that's what happens when the Spirit opens a man's eyes. The Spirit gets fills a person. When, this, when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, what does he say? Jesus is Lord. No one can say that. By the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can repeat it as a mantra. I don't mean that. It comes out of the mouth. But to say from the heart, Jesus is Lord, is quite another thing. I think all of us can say Jesus is Lord with the mouth. There's no problem. We've probably said it many times. We sing it so many times. But to say it from the heart is quite another thing. It means to say that now there's only one person in the universe that matters to me. That's Jesus. Isaiah needed to see that vision in the year that King Uzziah died. I don't know, I don't want, I don't want to go back to the story, but you can read it in Second Chronicles 26. Uzziah became a king when he was 16 years old. Look around at somebody who was 16 years old. 16-year-old boy. He became king and he reigned for 52 years. And he was a very good king in the beginning. He had a prophet called Zechariah to guide him. And he lived according to that. You read, it's all in Second Chronicles 26. And he did what was right. And he pleased the Lord. And God helped him mightily, mightily, mightily. And what happens when God blesses a person mightily, 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 mightily? If he's not careful, if he doesn't keep the vision of the throne before him, gradually his head swells up. Ah, oh, I am somebody. That hasn't happened just to the so-called healers of today. I don't know whether you see these healers with their heads swollen up nowadays or with the men and women who preach on television, but it's so rare to find today, I'll tell you this, a humble servant of God. It is almost impossible. I look around and it's so difficult to find one humble servant of God who, no matter what God does to him, is just the same old person he was when he was converted. Be like that. But Uzziah wasn't like that. He didn't remain when he was 55. Same humble person he was when he was 16. Are you the same humble person? Before we judge Uzziah, you ask yourself. Do you have the same thoughts about yourself as you had the day you came to CFC? Think back. I want you to Take a, do a little homework now. Think back to that day when you first came to this church. You were a nobody. Nobody even knew your name. You were in sin, messed up. And you came here. God blessed you. God blessed your family. Maybe you were also pathetically poor. You had no money. You had hardly anything in your bank account. God blessed you. And it's gone well. It's gone well with your family. It's gone well with your life and your bank account and your job. You've got a house now. What are your thoughts about yourself? 
then you see same thing happened to Uzziah. There was a time when Jesus was everything to you. You needed him so much. You needed him because you didn't have money. You needed help. You needed your children to be educated. So many things. You clung to him. But you don't need him so much today, right? You can relax. You're like the earth that's gone out of its orbit. You don't need the sun so much now, right? That's why darkness has come and death without your knowing it. That's what happened to Uzziah. It says he got so puffed up that he began to think, ah, who are these priests? God's blessed me. You know, a king was never supposed to be a priest in the Old Testament. You read there that he went into the temple to do the job of the priest and the priest said, don't do that. Uzziah, I don't care if you're a king. I don't care how much God's blessed. You can't go into another person's ministry. Recognize your boundaries. Most people I have seen in Christendom have messed up their life because they haven't recognized their boundaries. Just like Uzziah. It's written there in the Bible. They read it, but they don't recognize it applies to them. Recognize your boundaries. And recognize the boundaries God has given to somebody else. If God's given another person a circle 10,000 times larger than yours, praise the Lord and stick to the circle God's given you. Don't covet. Don't judge. Don't criticize. God is, he's a servant of God, not your servant. I tell you, my brothers and sisters, if you would just recognize these simple rules that I preached for 30 years, your whole life can be really blessed in 2008. Recognize your boundaries. Appreciate those who are in some other sphere or some other ministry. But Uzziah wouldn't do that and he became a leper immediately. And he died a leper. They had to put him outside as a leper. He was king, but he was a leper. And then one day he died and Isaiah was the prophet those days. And he said, boy, he, he, I think the thoughts that went through Isaiah's mind, the year that King Uzziah died, he said, what a man he was and how he ended. Lord, Isaiah says, I'm a young prophet. How will it be with me? You're blessing me. Will it happen to me also like that? By the time I come to the end of my life? And the Lord said, it won't happen to you like that. See what I'm going to show you right now. And the Lord opened his eyes and he saw a throne. The Spirit lifted him up. That's what John saw. John was 95 years old. He needed to see the throne. Even if you're 95 years old, you need to see the throne. And you will see it when, like John, you fall at Jesus' feet like a dead man. The Spirit will lift you up and show you Jesus as Lord. That's what will bring the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. He saw the Lord. Worship, worship. I told you, worship is the controversy. The leader of the angels, Lucifer, whatever his name was, led the people in worship and he said, I don't want this. I want summer worship for myself as well. Why should it all go to God? Why should he be the center? Why can't I be at least once in a while a little bit? And he wanted to be like God means he wanted people to worship him. You think he's been the last person who wanted people to worship him? Don't accuse Lucifer before you ask yourself whether you have at times wanted people to admire you. Have you wanted people to admire you and say nice things to you? That's exactly what Lucifer wanted. Why should they only say nice things to God? Why not say a few nice things to me? That's how he became the devil. I don't want to be like the devil. 
I don't want to go looking around for people to say nice things about me. I don't want it. Because I know that's the way the devil became the devil. Don't go around looking for it, my brother. When Jesus is Lord, I'll tell you, only one person's opinion will matter to you. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ says about you. And if he doesn't think highly of you, all the good opinions that other people have about you, you can throw it in the trash can. It means absolutely nothing. When to say Jesus is Lord, you say, Lord, it's only your opinion that matters to me. And very often, that's the area where the Lord will test people. I remember a great servant of God. In the, last cent- in the 19th century, he was a great preacher. If I get it right, I think this is the story. His name was Samuel Brengel. He was a great preacher in Boston in the United States. And he was seeking for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He was a preacher already. He heard about people like D.L. Moody, Charles Finney, who were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he knew the power that came into their life, and he wanted himself, and he sought God, and he surrendered everything, 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 everything. He thought he had surrendered everything. Still nothing happened. He was sincere. The Lord said, you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you want to become a successful preacher. Can't get it. Are you willing to be a failure? Then he saw that the purpose why he was seeking was honor for himself. He was in the center. The Lord was not on the throne. Jesus was not Lord. Samuel Bringle was Lord. So he yielded that. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he quit his job as a pastor. <clears throat> he went and joined William Booth in the Salvation Army in England. And here was a great man, pastor from Boston, coming of a big church, pastor coming, and William Booth said, your first job will be to Polish all the shoes of the Salvation Army soldiers. That's your job for the next few years. He did it. And he became one of the greatest leaders years later in the Salvation Army. You know, many times I have seen, when I hear the testimony of people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was something in their life, the last step they had to take was to die to something. I found it was like that in my life. Many years ago, I was in that church down the street, Desperate, defeated, about 30 years ago. And I said, Lord, I'm sick and tired. I better give up the ministry. I'm not going to preach and be a hypocrite. you got to do something for me. And one day the Lord said to me, one Sunday morning, it was just a Sunday morning like this, the Lord said, there was a charismatic leader who had come to preach that day, baptism in the Holy Spirit in the church. And he, every time I... He always used to give an invitation at the end of the meeting for those who wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, are you willing to go forward today and stand before that whole church where they heard so many wonderful sermons from you and tell them you are a hypocrite. You're living a lie. I said, yes. I don't care for the opinion of any of these people. I die. I went to the meeting. <laughs> this brother got up and preached. I'm just waiting for the invitation. See, there's a meeting and all is secondary to me. I'm just waiting for that invitation to go forward. I'm going to be run forward to be the first person. And of all the times in his life, he never gave an invitation that day. I'm waiting, 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 and he closed the meeting. I'm in. I said, Lord, what's this? And the Lord said, you laid your Isaac on the altar. I saw it. I don't want you to kill it. These, these people sitting here are bigger, big, bigger hypocrites than you. You don't have to tell them that you're a hypocrite. But as far as I'm concerned, I've done it. 
You know, like Abraham, he could say, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Like that day, <clears throat> that brother came home to me. We had lunch together in prayer. God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. So it's like that. Something I died to. If you ask Ian what happened to him the next day, it's the same thing. Something he had to die to. I remember a brother. Now, don't think that the thing you have to die to will be the same thing. It will be something different. I remember a brother who was in the Brethren Assembly in Bombay. He realized the need of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one day the Lord told him, you have to get up in the Brethren Assembly where people believe there's no such thing. Shout, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he went to the Brethren Assembly that Sunday morning and you know different people share. So he got up and asked the elders for permission, sir. The Lord, can I share something the Lord has asked me to say? They said, sure. He said, the Lord has asked me to shout it. Okay. You know, before he went there, he said, Lord, are you going to get me to stand up in the Brethren Assembly and shout out, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'll die. The Lord said, exactly. You got it. <laughs> so he got up <laughs> and he died. <laughs> and he said, Lord, I need, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and sat down. <laughs> the Lord met with him. The story of many people. I heard the, this book called They Speak in Other Tongues by John Sherrill, who was a, you know, he's a respected Anglican type of people who believe that you must sit in church like in a funeral service, all quiet, respectful. He went to this Pentecostal meeting. He was seeing, he was hearing of different people who were meeting. God was meeting with them. They were speaking in tongues and he went there and everybody clapping and tapping their feet and all that. It was all strange to him, you know. He said, no, 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 I'm gonna, not going to do this. But after a while, he found his feet, feet started tapping. <laughs> and, and, and then he, they all stood up and they raised their hands and he said, I'm not going to raise my hands. We don't do such things in church. And the Lord said to him, you've got to die. And for you, death is raising your hands. <laughs> and he raised his hands and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit immediately. Or something like that. Something like these lightning conductors. You, know, you lift it up and the lightning hits that high thing. So, I've seen through the years, to make Jesus Lord means, very often, there's something in your life unsettled. Something in your life where you have not said, Jesus is Lord. Some debt that you're making no effort to repay. Somebody to whom you need to go and apologize for the way you have hurt them, spoken against them. You know how most people apologize? They don't say anything. They just go to that person. Ah, so nice to see you, brother, sister. That's not apology. When you did somebody, you hurt his reputation, you spoiled somebody, you need to go and say those ten difficult words. I'm sorry. It was my fault. I've spoken against you. I've done things against you. You don't want to do it? Forget about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to die. You have to make Jesus Lord. When Jesus is Lord, you couldn't care less. You're willing to humble yourself. I remember, I said, Lord, I'm willing to do anything under the sun. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you this, my brothers and sisters, there are people waiting for years to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, they can wait another hundred years until you say, Jesus is Lord, Nothing will happen. You've got to put 
everything. The opinion of men is garbage. I'm willing to go and apologize to anybody under the sun. I'm willing to set anything right, but Jesus is Lord of my life from now on. Now, I'll tell you this. You can do that, backslide from it, one day, lose it all over again. Do you know that there are elder brothers in our churches who were baptized in the Holy Spirit? I don't believe they were baptized in the Holy Spirit today. They're as boring as the Sahara Desert. Because they did make Jesus Lord in their life, but somewhere along the line they got puffed up like Uzziah. And it went well with them. And you can make out. They're not the same. They're unwilling to acknowledge an error. Unwilling to say, I'm sorry, brother, please forgive me. Sister, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You may need to say that to your children. Let's humble ourselves and make Jesus Lord. Let's pray. What a wonderful way we can begin the new year. Making Jesus Lord. Did you have something once that you've lost now? Did you have gifts of the Holy Spirit once that you've lost now? Because you didn't value them anymore? You thought your experience and your ability and the respect people have for you is good enough for you? Shame on you. But you leaning on your experience, leaning on the respect people have for you? Dear me, how far you've backslidden. See from where you have fallen. You have left your first love. Come back. Today is the day. Come back. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Die. Die to your reputation and your honor and your name and every wretched thing the devil exalts in your mind. Say, Lord, I die. Jesus is my Lord. In every area. Heavenly Father, make it real. Make it real. Pour out your spirit upon a needy people here this morning, Lord. We are a needy people. Pour out your spirit and give us a big new beginning for the new year. We pray in Jesus' name.